Well, I know where I want to end up here today. Not sure how I want to start. I'm going to start by thanking whoever for that warm introduction that I got. Hopefully, you're not going to find some of the things that we're going to do and say today to be too terribly weird. Uh, for your visitors, I am not the pastor, uh, so don't let this scare you away. Um, not only did he not introduce me, he, Peter's my son, okay, so not only did he not introduce me, but he stole some of my thunder which is fine. It's not my thunder. It's, and it's not thunder. It's God's word. The parable of the sower in Mark, where he talks about the seed. And I specifically remember one instance where we'd gotten, you know, if you ever send $5 to any Christian ministry, you're going to get their newsletter or their magazine for about 27 years. <laughs> we get a bunch of them. So one of these magazines, right on the front cover, says, you can write your own ticket with God. And at the time, I was not going through a good period. And I looked at that. You write your own ticket. And I kind of scoffed. Huh. And right then, God gave me a vision of, some, of a seed being tossed down onto the ground. Yes, sir. And the seed bounced because the ground was so hard. I repent. I'm sorry. Soften my heart, Lord, that I can hear the word. Okay, here's weirdness number one. I'm going to walk around and encircle everyone here, except those in the sound booth, because walking around, I may stir up a feedback, and they've got to be on the ball. Please, Davida, please stand up so I can come behind you, so I can surround everyone here. Father, I pray, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that this is good ground. It has been prepared. It is ready to receive the, the word. It is not choked out by thorns. It is not crowded out by rocks. But it is good ground, and your word will take root, and it will bear much fruit. In Jesus' name. One of my co-workers one time said to me, well, he says, a lot of people take the Bible literally. And I didn't argue with him. There are some parts of the Bible that are to be taken literal. Literally. Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, some parts of the Bible are symbolic. But Mary at the time of Jesus' birth, literally was a virgin. There are, there are some things that you have to look at. You know, one of the favorite 
things in the denominational church is, well, God gave us a mind, and he expects us to use it. That's true. God gave us, gave us the ability to reason and use logic. Is there a place for logic when we study the Bible? Absolutely. In fact, the word logos, the written word, and logic, one might conclude that they come from the same root word in Greek. Logos and logic. So, anyway, there are some things that are, are literal, some things that are symbolic. I don't know if you remember, weirdness number two, I don't, remember, I don't know if you remember when here comes Jesus and Ralph the Methodist says, no, wait a minute, it wasn't Ralph, it was John the Baptist. I always get those two, <laughs> two guys mixed up. While we're on the subject, you know what John the Baptist's middle name was? The. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, and spiritually they had met before when they were both in their mother's wombs. But here comes Jesus, and John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was symbolic. It was not a literal lamb, but Jesus is it's symbolic. This is all part of the introduction, okay? There is not one part of the Bible that is not there without purpose. Yes, Everything yes, in the Bible has, has a reason. If you don't understand something, you might come to me, but I'm not, I, I certainly am not going to have all the answers. There are some things that have not yet been revealed. But there is nothing in the Bible that doesn't have a purpose. Uh, when Jacob was blessing his sons, here comes Gad, and he says, A troop will trample over you, but you will triumph in the end. When Gad was born, his mother said, Behold, a troop comes. little background here. A troop is a military unit, 150 to 200 men or so. So it's... Fairly good size, but it's not in the thousands. Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, and here was the man that they refer to as the Gadarene yes, demoniac. He lived in the, in the area of the Gadarenes. Gadarenes come, it was the area of the promised land that was assigned to Gad and his family, thus the name the Gadarenes, okay? When Jesus confronted him, actually Jesus did not come, he just approached him. What is your name? My name is Legion. Now Legion is a military unit, it's about 6,000. Now wait a minute. Jacob prophesied a troop, 150 to 200, and you're saying Legion? There's a little doctrinal point there that demons are liars. They're braggarts. They tend to expand on things. The point being here is that it was prophesied, Jacob prophesied 
that the Gadarenes were going to have trouble with, with demons. And Jesus resolved that. So my point is, is that here when Jacob, Jacob's dying and he puts his blessing on his son. Yes, sir. There was a point to that. Now, don't ask me why the Gadarenes were afflicted with this. I, I don't know. But there was a point to it. I do know that Jesus is the answer. Now, going back to Jesus being the Lamb of God, in, in Exodus chapter 12, it talks about the Lamb that has to be presented at the temple for Passover. The Lamb shall be without blemish. Same root word as blame. And the whole assembly shall kill it at twilight. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, I did not come to abolish the law, to fulfill it, but to fulfill it. Yes, sir. So now we're going to talk about some symbolic things regarding the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Now, I don't know about the, you know, how they took care of the sheep you know, in the Middle East during uh, this period of time. I know how they do things today, that if you have a prize U, a U is an E-W-E, that's a mother sheep. If you have a prize ewe, and it's going to give birth, you don't let it drop its lambs out in the pasture. You get it into the stable. That's why he was born in a stable. More than likely, the stable was a cave. They wouldn't build a wooden stable, because wood just wasn't that, you know, wasn't that common. So, here we've got this cave. The tombs in those times were caves. So, the fact that he was born in a stable refers to the lamb, also refers to it being referring to a tomb. Yes, sir. At birth, the sky became bright due to the glory of God. The sky became as bright as midday. When he was crucified, even though it was midday, it became as dark as midnight. You could stand back and say, gee, something's happening here. And you'd be right. At the birth, angels were shouting glory to God. At his death, all of heaven's back was turned toward Jesus. He said, why have you forsaken me? He was totally forsaken. The shepherds, the angels told the shepherds, this shall be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, we think of a, a manger as some kind of a wooden stand that holds food. Chances are, here again, wood's scarce over there. They took a stone and they hewed out a place to hold the, hold the food for the animals. So he was laid on a stone. After he had died, he was laid on a stone. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. 
I don't know how many of you mothers have ever swaddled your babies. That means to wrap them, wrap them around tight so they're kind of, they're kind of, kind of bound. Uh, the swaddling clothes are symbol to, to the burial cloth. And we're going to come back to that. And believe me, we are going to come back to that. The wise men brought gold, a symbol of divinity. Also, as practical purposes, I've heard that it said that Joseph and Mary needed that when they went to Egypt. That's what they lived on, was that gold. Frankincense is a symbol of worship. Myrrh. M-Y-R-H-H. Well, we talk about that all the time in our daily lives. <laughs> Myrrh was a, was a resin that was very aromatic. Had two main purposes. It was used as a fancy word obtundant, used to reduce pain, and it was offered to Jesus at the cross. Yes, sir. It was also smeared on the burial cloths to kind of reduce... Reduce the smell. So here again, we have a reference at Jesus' birth to his death. That's one thing he and Gad had in common. There were, you know, eight days after Jesus was born, he was brought to the temple for dedication, like was symbol here. They also, being a male, was circumcised. Fulfilling the law. And incidentally, that predates, circumcision predates the law. It goes back to Abraham. Yes, sir. But uh, here again, he came to fulfill all of the law. One of the, one of the most amazing things, and I didn't come up with this by myself, but do you remember the two people that were there? There was Simeon, a devout man, yes, sir. and Anna. Simeon, the name means hearing one. And it's related to the first word, Shema. Shema means hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. And that's the first part of the law. And what did Simeon say? Now let your servant depart in peace. Symbolically, is he saying now the law is done because Jesus has come? The other person there was Anna. Yes, sir. Anna means grace. Thank God. She gave thanks that she had seen the salvation of our Lord. Luke 2.39 says, Jesus, or I'm sorry, Joseph and Mary performed, performed all things according to the law. So Jesus, not just then, but throughout his whole life, and particularly at his crucifixion, fulfilled all the aspects of the law. Hmm. Peter, do you have that little deal there? Uh, 
going to give a little plug here for a, uh, for a singer. A guy's name is David Ingalls, I-N-G-L-E-S. And uh, we've been familiar with him for 40 years. Uh, uh, David Ingalls, you might want to write that down. Look him up on YouTube and hear some of his songs. Great, great songs. Great scriptural songs. Uh, absolutely terrific. This is a little clip from a song from David Ingalls. Great. Thank you. Have you ever thought about Lazarus? When he was, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Remember, he'd been dead for, what was it, four days? And his sister says, he stinketh. My wife gives a good imitation of Lazarus coming forth from the grave. Remember the grave? It's, it's a cave. Anyway, so, so Lazarus comes forth. Now remember, he's all essentially all swaddled up right. and wrapped around his face as well. So Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Weirdness number three, okay? So, he was raised from the dead, but he was still bound by the grave clothes. Okay? And the song says, you may be a soul compared to Lazarus, raised from dead, in grave clothes wrapped about. That applies to all of us. We're born again, we have new life, but we carry some of the bondage from our old life. Okay, that's great. Symbolically, what do those grave clothes, those bindings, what do they refer to? I don't have the total answer on this. I don't know how it applies to everybody. But to me, it's our old way of thinking. Our old way of thinking says that when you do something wrong, 
you need to be punished. Our old way of thinking says, no matter how much you're punished, it isn't enough. We need to do a little bit more. So what we need to do is we need to change the way we think. Romans 12, 2, we need to renew our minds. It isn't a thing where you flip a switch and bang, it's all done. Yes, sir. The Greek word for repent is metanoia. It literally means change your mind. So we need to change our mind, change the way we think. So I said that when we do something wrong, we need to be punished. We need to change that thinking. Because Jesus totally, totally dealt with that. Before, bef well, before and during his crucifixion, Jesus shed his blood in seven places. Hands, feet, side, we know those. The first place that he shed his blood was he sweat blood because he was under so much stress. So if we say Jesus paid it all, Come on. that should be covered. One of my sons said, you know, if we knew, if we really knew how much God loved us, we wouldn't let anything bother us at all. So whenever we're dealing with stress... Think of Jesus sweating blood. He did that for us. After they had beaten him, they put a crown of thorns on his head and they pressed it down. And those thorns drew blood. What is the first time that thorns are mentioned in the Bible? Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. The ground, one of the curses upon the ground was thorns. Yes, sir. So Jesus took the curse and he took it in his mind. So Jesus has paid the price for stress and also the way we think. He has paid for it. It's total. Now think about, if I, if I walk up to pastor and press that crown of thorns on his head, I don't think he's going to be thinking, well, that's good, I deserve this, but I need to do a little bit more. 
whenever you find yourself thinking ungodly thoughts. What's an ungodly thought? Obviously, eh, look at that, you know. But an ungodly thought can be, I really have a headache today. We don't think of that, that you know, like that. But Jesus, for the beating that he took, we're healed. The punishment, the chastisement that he took, we have peace. Whenever we think that we're getting sick, we need to think about one of, the, one of the things. We need to think about Jesus' back. They said, you know, in Isaiah 53, it says that by his stripes, we are healed. Actually, there weren't any stripes. The only stripes would be where you could see his ribs because all the skin, all the flesh had been ripped off. So you think about that, and when you think about that, you're not going to be thinking, he did that for me, what can I do to add to that? Yes, sir. Nothing. So the answer is we need to know what the covenant is, what God has promised us. We need to know how much God loves us. We need, we need to know him and his love. Amen. You know, I talked about the, the symbolism of the thorns. We need, don't need to know the symbolism of being whipped. We understand that. We understand, we understand punishment. But Jesus took it. He took it all. Joshua, you want to come up now? Yes, sir. Grab a chair there. A while back, I had a vision. Okay, this is my son Joshua, and this is Abigail. I had a vision of crawling up in Father God's lap. Now, everything that we have talked to up to this point, it's all... In a sense, I don't like to use the term method, maybe a pathway. Maybe that would be better. That's how we get there. But this is where we want to get. We want to be able to be able to get up and sit in Father God's lap. If Abigail has a whole bunch of sin in her life, is she going to feel like she can do that? You know, even your puppy, when he messes the floor, your puppy hides. No, they, they know they did wrong. The Father is holy. He will not accept. He will not accept someone coming into his presence that has sin in their life. But Jesus has taken care of that. Yes, Lord. Is there something Abigail can do to add to that? No, she has to have the faith. She has to believe that Jesus through his crucifixion, settled it. He took it all. I remember sitting in my dad's lap. And I don't know, maybe I wasn't quite as old as Abigail. 
But I remember feeling my dad's biceps. And to say that I felt safe, that, that was an understatement. I was more than saved because the thought of any danger never entered my mind. I was in the presence of God. I was in the presence of my, my dad, a symbol of God. Feel how big, I mean, to a child, you know, you, I, I mean, by, he, I'm an adult and I can hardly get my, you know, I can't come close to getting around his <laughs> But as a child, you know, I mean, you don't get a third of the way around that. <laughs> Not all fathers have all the characteristics of God. God isn't quite the smart aleck. He has a sense of humor, though. And it's a darn good thing for us. We'd be in trouble if we didn't. But that's, that's where it's at, folks, is being able to celebrate each other, to enjoy each other. All these other things. Being healed, that's great, but it isn't that. Being saved from sin, that's terrific, but it isn't that. Having total peace, actually, that is that. Total peace means you're not... You're not, well, I'm safe from that threat. You don't even think of the threat. That's what shalom is. And in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, by the chastisement that he, for, he took the chastisement for our peace. It's the Hebrew word shalom, which means total, total well-being. But that's, that's where it's at. Thank you, Joshua. So, could we prepare now for communion? Yes, sir. So, when we think some of these things, think about the thorns in Jesus' head. Think about his back. Think about what he suffered for us. And think about we can't add to that. Amen. It was more than enough. Another David Ingalls song, he is more than enough. And I, I'm serious about David Ingalls. It, it's, he has been a tremendous blessing to us. We've learned a lot from him, and you can listen to those songs. It's like the scriptures. You've listened to some of those songs for years and years, and wow, I never heard that before. So, in Isaiah 53, 5, in, 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 the, in the time of Jesus and from the time of Abraham on, what we call communion was actually the covenant meal, bread and wine. I want to change gears slightly here, and I've... You know, for over, the, over time being, we have certain scriptures that are our favorite scriptures. Hebrews 8.12, which is quoting Jeremiah, 
says several things, but one of them is, I will be their God and they will be, they will be my people. Now, preceding that, it says, The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Judah and with the house of Israel. And you say, well, that's for Judah and that's for Israel. He says, I will make a new covenant with Judah and Israel. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in his blood. So when we take communion today, when we take communion today, we think of all the things that Jesus did for us, all the ways he suffered, so we don't have to. Amen. For years and years, I had a difficult time. I had a difficult time opening these things for years and years and getting, getting better at it. But for years and years, I, 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 had, I thought I understood baptism much better than communion or the covenant meal. I'm getting a better and better understanding of, of communion. The bread represents our physical needs health, prosperity, peace, everything our body needs is in the bread. You don't have to close your eyes, but sometimes it's easier to, it's easier to see some spiritual things when we close our eyes. I want you to envision Jesus bringing the bread to us. See Jesus carrying your sins, sicknesses, and weaknesses. It's lifted up before the Lord. We see Jesus in front of us. He breaks the bread and said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Lord Jesus, by your stripes, by your broken body, I am made whole. I want you to say that. By your broken body, I am made whole. By your stripes, my family and I are perfectly healed. Your life reigns in us. Your health flows through our entire bodies. In like manner, Jesus took the cup. We need to envision Jesus standing before us. He gives us the cup and he says to us, take now and drink all of it. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Go ahead and... And again, if you'd repeat this. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I have redemption through your precious blood. I declare by faith that through your precious blood, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
My family and I are redeemed from every generational curse. From every curse of the law. From every curse of sickness and disease. From every power of darkness. And we receive the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of divine health. The blessing of divine prosperity and the blessing of divine favor and protection through the blood of Jesus. I meant to touch briefly on a curse. In our modern day, we don't think of curses very much. The ground was cursed. God spoke over the ground and says, you'll be cursed with thorns. Jesus cursed the fig tree. And he didn't say, I curse you, fig tree. What he said was, May no man ever eat fruit from you again. The disciples were amazed. They said, look, it's withered from the roots up. So whenever something is bad is spoken over you, and if you want to look, if you want to know the person that speaks more bad things about you than anybody else, go look in the mirror. Because we say more bad things about ourselves than anybody else. Folks, let's renew our mind that we don't do that. We want to say the same things about ourselves that God says about us. He says, I am righteous. I am healthy. I am redeemed by the blood of the Jesus. Jesus, God the Father, blesses us, never curses. So let our mouth, you know, in James it talks about from the same fountain can fresh water and bitter water come. From out of our mouth we want fresh water, just blessings to come out of our mouth. I don't always know how to close these things. That's pretty much pretty much all I had to say. If you would like special prayer, the prayer and altar call, could I get you to raise your hands? You got any of them here? Okay. If you want special prayer this morning, seek one of those people out. Pastor is available. I'm available. And we, we're, we're more than happy to pray for you. We cannot repent for you. We cannot renew your minds. That is something that you have to do yourself. That may sound a little harsh, but that's the truth. You have to make some choices.